Hi, all. Welcome to another Uphill Athlete podcast. This time around, I, Nikki LaRochelle, am your host, and I was joined by Uphill Athlete coach and friend to all, the one and only Mike Foote. For this episode, we got to interview ultra-running phenom and fan favorite Claire Gallagher. If you aren't familiar with Claire, she's a major contender in the international ultra-running scene. Among other notable accolades, Claire has claimed first place finishes at the Leadville 100, the CCC 100K, part of the UTMB race series, and the Western States 100. Aside from her running prowess, Claire is an absolute firecracker. Known for her authenticity, quirkiness, smarts, and humor, she always is a fun listen, and this interview is no exception. So please enjoy my conversation with Mike Foote and Claire Gallagher. All right, here we are. I'm here with Claire Gallagher and my co-host today, Mike Foote. Um, So a really lovely group, I would say. So Claire, welcome to the Uphill Athlete Podcast. Thank you so much, Nikki. Yeah, I agree. This is... This is a this is a group I'm I'm stoked to be with. <laughs> and I didn't get to tell you yet, so I will now that we're recording, uh, so everyone can know. Congrats on the Grand Traverse. Nikki and her husband just got what place did you get overall? Um, fourth. Fourth overall. Only three dude teams beat her and her husband in the 40 mile insane schemo race, Grand Traverse. And their team name was like La Rochelle times two. And then it was like ski date. <laughs> or it was like date night. Date night. Indeed. Dude, you like. Yeah, your ears would be ringing every schemo race. I'm like tracking you. You have no idea. Like I'm a huge, huge fan. <laughs> Claire, that might be just you and my mom, but I'll I'll take it. <laughs> like Nikki's just like skiing with the boys, like crushing them. I love it. Yeah, that's very nice. But well, thank you. Um, I was asking Mike earlier. You two knew each other from the North Face team initially. Yeah, good times. <laughs> good times. <laughs> Do you have any good, um, outstanding memories of any anything you guys did together? Gosh, I, I every minute I've spent with Mike, I have enjoyed immensely. Like, Mike, I love how you are who you are. You know, when I'd be like drinking heavily at the athlete summits. <laughs> And you would just be like, you know, so you would like know what you're getting into. And I had no idea what I was getting into. And I'm like, man, I need to hang around Mike more. Like he's such a good influence. (laughs) Claire and I have had some good experiences, everything from her crewing me at Hard Rock 100 to my first time meeting Claire was at a North Face Athlete Summit. And I believe that she jumped into a uh, beer mile, but her beer mile included the Croix bubbly and maybe some wine in the third and fourth lap while uh, everybody yeah. else was drinking beer. And I just remember thinking, who is this girl? <laughs> and over the last handful of years, I've gotten to know Claire very well. <laughs> uh, yeah. Oh, crewing you at Hard Rock is one of my favorite crewing experiences of all time. Mike got second to Killian Jornet. That was 2017. Yeah. Yeah, uh, 
I watched you down like I don't know four gels and the like Mike is so good at like you are so good at turning things around by forcing gels down your throat <laughs> like uh I remember Luke was like, I lied to him. I told him he only had to take 10 gels, but I gave him, I don't know, like 15. <laughs> oh boy. Yeah, Claire, this is, I love that we we asked you on a podcast and you are, uh, you're already talking about Nikki and, and my accomplishments. <laughs> so we need, to, we need to turn this around before we lose listeners. <laughs> exactly. I know. Speaking of speaking of turning it around, Claire, you you're just coming off your uh, win at the Black Canyon 100K. Are you still? Is that still feeling good? Is it in the rear view mirror? What's going on there? Honestly, I have lost all of my fitness from that race. So that was over two months ago because it was February 12th, and it's yeah, end of April now. I was gonna race Chuck and I because uh, a bunch of Patagonia folks were out there. Chrissy Mel's amazing 50k race but uh I got COVID yeah right before and so I've just been in a slow decline towards summer (laughs) I threw out my back a couple weeks ago building a bookshelf uh and I'm now I'm just complaining um (laughs) I loved Black Canyon so much and I was very very lucky and blessed to spend the month of January in Hawaii on the big island and so I had this like amazing amazing build like I was able to focus on actual training focus on you know being in hot weather so it was perfect for Black Canyon like it definitely allowed me to you know uh win um but now I'm just trying to like regroup you know because it's been a bit of a cluster the last few months and uh and look towards summer like god summer in Colorado as you know as we all know yeah I just I just need to stay healthy like no more SI stuff no more lifting like pots (laughs) I'm 30 years old now I'm like I'm getting old (laughs) I'm just kidding I'm just kidding (laughs) geriatric basically 30 years old so what what is on tap for you for this summer yeah I uh so I yeah I declined my golden ticket uh opportunity to go back to western states basically so I could spend more time in Colorado and like I just needed a break and so I've got San Juan solstice which is the day of of states it's the end of June uh you've done that right Nikki yeah, and I'm signed up this year, so you better watch oh, out, Claire, because oh, I might be <laughs> just a few hours behind you. <laughs> That's a lie. That is a lie. Uh, yeah, I just I just got confirmation Hillary Allen will be there, so that'll be good. Uh, yeah, she's probably, yeah, anyways, she will be ready to go. Uh, then I'm, I'm signed up for Spigo, and then... Um, Naturally, since both of those are like very vert heavy mountain races, then I'm going to go do Leadville. (laughs) (laughs) Something like a hundred mile track race at 10,000 feet. (laughs) Um, Yeah, I'm actually so, so excited for Leadville. It's been six years since I raced it. Uh, it Essentially started my running career, my like ultra running career is 2016. I had no idea what I was doing. I won it. And then I met Mike like a month later. <laughs> um, yeah, it's been six years. So I'm, I'm really excited to go back. And I, oh, go ahead, Mike. Yeah, Claire, I'm, I'm curious. I, I know a lot of the listeners on this podcast are 
curious about people's training programs and what that looks like. And I know that you love nothing more than talking about training, I'm sure, but. Um, <laughs> I do, I like it, it's, it, um, it matters. You, you mentioned having a really great buildup into Black Canyon and, and you, know, you, you went on to have a really great race there. Uh, for you, what does a good buildup look like? What helps you get to a start line confident? Mm, I'm to be perfectly honest, I'm still kind of honing it, you know, because every buildup for every big ultra is different. I, I feel like we could all agree on that, right? There's not, you can't replicate, even if it's the same race. But that being said, I've started to started to kind of push myself to doing a big effort that's like probably around a fourth of the distance or less. Um, so nothing like half the distance of the race. Um, the a fourth or a third is like, is a good litmus where I'm going pretty hard, uh, like three weeks before the, my goal race. And sometimes I use another race to do that. In the past, I've done that and that's worked well. But it, when I was in Hawaii, um, I was able to run a lot of my long runs by myself, which I haven't done over the last few years a lot. Like I, I'm a pretty social runner. I I like to use other people's energy to get through hard runs. And, and, and it's just like the way I kind of have gone about growing as an ultra runner is like, is being around other ultra runners, especially in Boulder where I live. That being said, when I was in Hawaii, I, I was spending a lot of time running by myself and I really, really enjoyed it. And I thought the challenge of spending, like I did a really big day at Mauna Loa. That was sort of my effort, which is a, a giant volcano. It's like a 13er. Um, <laughs> it's, it's pretty gnarly. Uh, and I, I didn't, I wasn't like listening to music or anything. I was out there for nine hours and and that challenge of being in my own brain in a training run for that long, I think is starting like, this is what I'm going to try and do from now on. And, and it's happened sort of like catch as catch can before, you know, through these races or, or other, or other long runs where I happen to be by myself, but, um, being able to hone in and figure out my body, go my pace is like, it's challenging. <laughs> Like, I, I felt like shit for a lot of it, you know? I mean, I granted, I ran into my dad on Mauna Loa, but we like, neither, I didn't have a headlamp. It was kind of a, a scene um, and he was a little lost. So, so that, yeah, but the, on the whole though, I was by myself, you know, for a huge day. And, and there's something about like sort of tickling that mental space of where you get in ultras in training runs. Um, yeah, I would say that's that was my favorite part about this buildup. That's great. Yeah, yeah, yeah I can absolutely. I can yeah, I can relate to that and understand like the confidence building aspect of a big effort like that. Do you feel like it is more of a psychological boost or also a physiological boost as well? Do you feel that fitness after? And I assume you take some time off after that, and you're as you as you taper into something like Black King and where do you feel that boost most? Uh, personally, I feel it psychologically. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the confidence that I can withstand like mundane miles, like 
um, that I can zone in and focus on technical trail or, you know, just even rocky trail uh, without falling. And if I do fall, I recover, I take care of myself. Uh, yeah, I, to be perfectly honest, I leave a lot of my physical stuff, training, I don't know what you want to call it, to my coach, David Roach. Like, obviously it's my body. I'm the one who has to tell him, like, I don't feel good. I think I'm injured, you know, but I, I don't have the, the background that like either of you do, you know, Mike or Nikki in, in science training. And I, I don't know if I ever will, like, I'm, I choose to trust my coach in that regard. Like I've read the uphill athlete. Um, I think it's an amazing book. Um, and, and I'll dabble and like, I, I read articles, you know, here and there, but, um, it's a beautiful thing about having a coach. <laughs> it's like, I, I trust what David's giving me and, and, but he can't tell me to be confident in my brain. That is up to me. <laughs> yeah. I've, I've always been impressed with your your just tenacity to race hard and be confident on a start line. I mean, you famously, uh, three or four years ago spent, was it two or three weeks in Alaska prior to Western States mm -hmm. of the National Wildlife Refuge, and then went on to win Western States, <laughs> a race that's famously hot after being in Alaska. And you know, say a little something about your psychology going into a race like Western States after spending all that time not necessarily doing specific training. I mean, were you able to stay confident and, and trust in your ability on that start line or was there, I guess I'm trying to just get into yeah. how, how you're able to turn it on even when things don't necessarily line up perfectly before <sighs> I was wearing, I think like five jackets at all times for those two weeks. Like I would just sleep. I slept in two rain jackets every single night. Like I wore all my clothes. <laughs> There's a few times the sun came, you know, well, the sun was out most of the time because it was the summer equinox, you know, above the Arctic circle. But um, yeah, I, it, it, to be honest, that was such a unique experience uh, and this might be a little bit unbelievable, but the, the terrain we were crossing in the Arctic refuge and, and, um, I should share for listeners. I was with, um, Tommy Codwell. Uh, yeah, you maybe have heard of him. <laughs> uh, great climber and photographer, Austin Sidek, and then Luke Nelson, who is an ultra runner, but also like has way more mountaineering experience than I do. And there are no trails in the Arctic refuge. And we were there to, to uh, experience and raise awareness against um, drilling in the coastal plain, um, uh, which hopefully won't happen anytime soon. So so we're, we're going across scree fields that are like bigger than things I've ever even, I can't even imagine. And I grew up in Colorado, like, I mean, raging little rivers that are, that are going into huge, huge, big raging rivers. And we have to cross, you know, those, these tributaries and, and there's no, there's no backup, you know, except our inReach, but even still it's like, um, we summited the second highest peak Mount Hubley, uh, you know, severe, 
like post holing type. I don't even know. It's like snow travel. Clearly I've like blacked out all these terms because I promptly retired from anything that requires a rope. <laughs> Pretty much after this, after this summer, I spent a couple pitches on El Cap and then I was like, I'm out, I'm out. Um, but anyways, the point being, I'm going to answer your question. I was so out of my element in that terrain. I, when I got to Western States, I thought I like had a slight Achilles injury. And I was like, you know what, my goal is to finish. Like, it's a blessing to be here. I had a, such a spiritual, emotional two weeks, like learning from Gwich'in people of like how their livelihoods are, are going up in the air because of climate change, like really, really serious shit. Um, where like caribou migrations or bird migrations or like salmon migrations are changing due to the warming in the Arctic and, and like people are going hungry, you know? So I show up to like Tahoe <laughs> and everyone's talking about Western states and I'm like, this is cool, but like this has, this just feels uh, kind of uh, just like a different universe to the one I was just in. Um, and so it allowed me to be a little detached from the race and, but then once I got in and I, and I knew physically, I actually was really squared away, like very, very, I, I still to this day, don't know how I maintain my fitness. <laughs> I mean, we're, we're moving for like 18 hours a day. Maybe that's why, but, um, being on a trail was the biggest gift because I had just been so challenged, like literally terrified that I was going to break my ankle, that I was going to fall down a ravine that, you know, the whole nine yards. So like, I hadn't seen a trail in, in two, three weeks. So being on a trail and being only needing to run for myself was like, oh, I know this. This is like what I'm good at. I can do this. Like I got this. So that like, I feel like my confidence almost grew as the race went on. It's like, this is, this is what I do. This is, this is me. Cause my confidence had been pretty obliterated in, As in Alaska. <laughs> to be honest. So yeah, there's a long answer to that. <laughs> that, that clear. I love that answer. That sounds almost like a liberation. Like um, and there's a relativity there of no trail, like this extremely rough and arduous terrain. And then you go to a race where, yeah, a sense of liberation to be there and um, how how convenient and accessible a trail can be. Totally. Yeah. And, you know, you got friends crewing you, you got people around. Like I had spent the better part of, yeah, two weeks with three other humans who are amazing people, like the best, you know. <laughs> Uh, Mike knows Luke Nelson well, and um, yeah, it just was so different. And then towards the end, so uh, this this race was cool. Courtney Dowder was leading most of the race, and then she suffered an injury around mile eighty and dropped. And I was like just plodding along in second the whole time. And so I moved into first place, and then uh, at mile ninety, Brittany Peterson caught me. Uh, which is like kind of insane. <laughs> and we had a showdown. We had a six mile showdown in the last six miles. And it was like, in, it was, it was wild. And at that point, a part of me was like running for the, for the Gwich'in, like for the plight of indigenous Alaskans. Um, and just like anyone who's, who's suffering from climate change, which is like most of us. Um, and, and, you know, wanting to like make a stamp of the experience I just had up there, like, I want to share this 
and winning would help like that went through my mind but then also when you're in a race like at the end of a hundred mile race I mean Mike you kind of had one with Killian at Hard Rock (laughs) like you're at, at some point like you black out and it's 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 muscle memory. You are not feeling anything. I was not thinking about anything. Um, so yeah, I mean, I think I'm still recovering from the summer of 2019. <laughs> Be perfect. That was my peak. <laughs> it was for sure my peak. Uh... That's great. I remember reading about that showdown and it sounded like you were truly sprinting. I mean, relatively for a 100 mile race to the finish line against Brittany yeah I think we were we were running like seven minute miles like slight uphill it was like it was bonkers yeah well that Claire that I think you're getting into what is one of the pieces of um what makes you so interesting and captivating to people as a runner um and a pro athlete is you have this philosophical piece of who you are and um I've just spent some time looking at your website and your blog. I love that you have a blog and it's so philosophical. Hey, it's like, said no one ever. Yes. Claire, <laughs> Claire.run for, for all the listeners. It's so good, Claire. And um, I'd just be curious, like, I, I mean, one specific attribute of you that I've mentioned a few times too is just this, you have this self-assurance, but this real sense about who you are in the world, like you are in no way, you're like the, you're the antithesis of an egotistical pro athlete. I mean, you're thinking so broadly all the time about the world impact, the environment. And it's rare that you seem even self-focused to me at all. And I'm curious, is that deliberate? Like, how do you see yourself in that way? That's very kind of you. Thank you. Uh, I know my brothers would disagree. <laughs> yeah, tell us, and your brothers, we should get into that. I, it, your family uh, is fascinating. No, no, they're great. My family is amazing. I, I do actually think, though, that's a bit of it, is like my family is, uh, I have two older brothers and and amazing parents, and uh, there's not really a lot of pretense, like, around the dinner table, like you do something cool, like, yeah, you'll be celebrated, but it's not like the end of the world, you know, like, and that's just, that's just the way I grew up. Um, and I think, yeah, I don't know. It's kind of a lot, uh, like, I don't like, what exactly are you asking? (laughs) I guess I, I mean, I'm curious if you've spent time reflecting on what it is to be a pro athlete. And I think to Mm. do that, it it, it requires a lot of self-focus. I mean, Mm. your job is to better yourself as an athlete. And I think it would be difficult to not get this certain level of tunnel vision and self-focus and, but you keep your eye on the ball in terms of what's happening around you and um, you're just very forward facing in terms of thinking about things well beyond mm. yourself. And I'm just curious if you battle like any temptation. I mean, there's the ego temptation of mm-hmm. I've won Western States. I've won CCC. I'm hot shit. Like I, I have not won those races, but I could see <laughs> if I had like, 
I, I just think there's probably a struggle there or maybe not. Like that's kind of what I'm getting at. I'm curious. Yeah. Okay. I, I see. Uh, thank you again. So I do think I had a pivotal period of time in my life when I was running collegially. So I like I ran cross country and track in high school uh, in Colorado and then was recruited to run at Princeton. And so I ran there. Uh, yeah. For like all four years. And I mean, Ron is generous, to be honest. I, I was injured for a lot of it. And those four years uh, really, really kind of like put me through a dishwasher. Like I came in thinking, oh, running is so fun. Like I do, I run in like suburban Denver. Yay. Like I, I win 5Ks, you know, like, I mean, I wasn't that naive in high school, but but something about, I felt like I just got slammed down in, in college where it's like, okay, you're actually not that fast. Like you kind of suck. Like I kind of, I kind of sucked in college. Um, like I was on, I mean, I, I literally don't even have like times I care to share. Like I, and I, and I had, I knew I had the physical ability to be a good 1500 meter runner, to be a good steeplechaser. Uh, or 5k runner and it just never panned out like through silly injuries through not understanding like the importance of eating um like well uh sleeping you know I kind of got caught up in the rat race of thinking oh this is what distance runners are supposed to do and and was never really like snapped out of it um although I did have these moments like of getting snapped out of that mindset. Uh, and it was my sophomore year. I didn't run like uh, almost my entire sophomore year in college due to some like, I don't know, some rogue knee injury. It was like chondromyalgia. And, and Mike knows. <laughs> Mike has said, said some serious patella stuff. Uh, and I was pretty depressed and I was kind of using um, outlets that weren't conducive to anything other than like staying up late as a way to you know blow off steam and and I was getting my work done but essentially one of my really close non-runner friends Mina was like what are you gonna do this summer like are you gonna go back to Colorado and I was like honestly I'm kind of considering applying for this internship in Bermuda and but I would have to get like scuba certified and I was studying biology so I was I'm always been interested in the natural world. And she's like, apply, like, who cares about running? Just like apply. And so I was 20 years old at the time. And, and I had this liberation of like being in this depressed hole of, I can't run, I'm trash. Like I show up to practice and I like get on the spin bike, which like makes me more injured because I don't know how to spin properly. And like, who am I? Like I came all the way into New Jersey, you know, to like, like, who am I? I? I'm not, I'm not as smart as everyone else here. Like I'm not running. So I kind of just got beat down in a way. And then, and then I got this internship in Bermuda and I, and I started scuba diving and it changed my life. You guys, like it completely opened my world to like, well, I'm just totally obsessed with, with our underwater world. And it, it just brought me this, this more holistic viewpoint of the world of like, okay, it's a gift. If I can go for a run, I'm going to get healthy. Like I eventually did, you know, we, we typically do, thankfully. Um, it took about a year and PRP, uh, <laughs> and, 
and after that I kind of I had this like release of if I can run it's a gift but like this is not who I am like I am so much more than this like I have a brain I have the ability to travel I have the you know I'm so privileged to be honest like I really am and and I don't want to just like sit here bitching about how I can't run you know um, so it kind of, it kind of warped me. And then, and then I spent a couple of years in Thailand after college and that just sort of solidified this appreciation for like everything beyond running. But also it comes with this, it's a dichotomy of like, I am obsessed with running. So like every day I get to run is a huge, huge gift. Um, and then I, and I discovered ultra running. I was like, oh yes, I am a good runner. <laughs> So, I mean, I think that's when I get injured, you know, these days, which happens sadly often still, um, I, I know that there's more, there's more to life, you know, and I just got to keep tapping into that. And honestly, people like Mike and, and other folks who are really big mentors, right. When I got into this, like as a professional, basically were really influential people like Rory Bazio, Steph Howe, Rob Carr, um, yeah, Chrissy Mel, like Luke. Yeah, yeah, just just people who are like, you know, take take a breather. <laughs> like, everything's gonna be okay. Ah, yeah, Mike, can you speak to that? I mean, you, I Claire, that was a great answer, and I loved the background um, on your collegiate experience. I'm curious, Mike. I mean, you've certainly accumulated some great accolades in your running career. Have you had any similar reckonings, or did that resonate with your experience? Absolutely. Yeah. I, I loved hearing that Claire. And for me, the big takeaway is having this identity outside of sport. And frankly, I've seen this so many times over the years when, when you get myopically focused on something every day is it can be a roller coaster depending on how you feel. And we all know that sport and athletics and specifically ultra running in this case, uh, you know, you're really playing the long game. And, and if you can, you know, mellow out the highs and the lows and have a little bit more consistency, like physically, but also emotionally and psychologically, you're going to have better results long-term. And I mean, I think it's always funny. I, I, I rarely think that people choose, okay, I'm going to get into underwater, this underwater world, or I'm going to go to Bermuda to make me a better runner five years from now. But the chances are, you know, Claire, ha Claire's had an incredible ultra running career. And at the time when she took this internship, she probably didn't think that was going to be the catalyst for it, but it likely was versus if she just stayed grinding every single day. She didn't mention she went to Princeton when she said New Jersey and, you know, in this like great cross country program and, uh, you know, she found a different way to get there. And I think that that's for me, the big takeaway and something I've learned as well, you know, through professional endeavors as a as a race director or being involved in advocacy work and but staying in the trail running space, you can stay in your community in other ways. And if you have a knee injury or in anything, you can still be a part of that community, find value elsewhere, uh, and hopefully heal up and get back on the trail sooner than later. And I think that, you know, on this podcast and with this audience, I think that's a really important thing to, to talk about. And I really appreciate Claire bringing that up about finding identity outside of sport can actually inform more success in sport, which is a little paradoxical, but um, right. I've seen it many times. I love that, Mike. It's like the slower the drip you can put into anything, almost the better, you know, like I'm sure most of all of us, 
people listening are like, I'm just going to run all summer. Like, you know, Friday night till, till Monday morning, like I'm running. <laughs> like we have these dreams, right? And it's like, <laughs> like maybe a little slower of a drip. Like, <laughs> you know, if you want to be doing this 20 years from now. Oh, that's a good way. Uh, what's interesting to me is I, I don't see Claire as a slow drip person at all. So. <laughs> <laughs> you know, but it's like, yeah, if we are going to continue with this strange analogy, uh, I don't know, if we're, like, you know, these drips are going into little planner boxes of our lives. You know, it's good to have multiple planner boxes. Like, I just, I just made a terrible planner box, uh, which is why it's on my mind, <laughs> a hack job. <laughs> You know, yeah, it's it's fun to to have different different identities, different friend groups. Yeah, Claire, you know, uh, because we're speaking about this, you know, what I mean, many people know of you as a professional ultra runner who stood on the podiums of many of the biggest races in the world. I mean, obviously, a lot of folks also know about your advocacy work. Like right now, how are you spending your time? Because you're not running sixty hours a week, obviously. <laughs> Um, you know, like when you take off your ultra running hat or take off your shoes, you know, at the end of a run, how are you spending your time and how are you finding that balance right now? Yeah, I, uh, well, people are probably wondering, like, how do, how do you pay rent? You know, I think that's a fair question to ask anyone. I am still working for Patagonia. So I've been working for Patagonia as an employee for the last couple of years, uh, which is part running, like part sponsorship for to run, which is a huge, huge blessing. Um, but part of it is also in marketing and environmental campaigns. So I often act as a liaison between a small nonprofit that like I know, or I'm able to, to talk about like a certain issue, like opposing a copper mine, say in the Boundary Waters or a copper mine in uh, Superior, Arizona, where the San Carlos Apache tribe um, has their sacred land. So in that case, like I'll often explain like, or, um, be the liaison between say a nonprofit or, and like my marketing team at Patagonia, like, and these are the people who are brilliant marketers who are, you know, coming up with the campaigns that like kind of shake above their weight culturally, like pa Patagonia is not that big of a company, you know? It's about this fourth of the size of North Face and um, granted not to yeah compare, but uh, if there's not that many people, you know, hustling behind the scenes and it's it's been really, really eye-opening to see how hard these people work, my colleagues. Um, that being said, I, I'm going to grad school in the fall. So like, I'm almost done with this part of my life actually. Like I'm, I'm entering a huge transition phase right now. I am in one. Um, where I will only uh, be an ambassador for Patagonia and I'm starting a PhD program at CU Boulder uh, to work with a woman, Cassandra Brooks, who specializes in marine policy. So she takes like marine biology, which is my background and um, yeah, kind of like tries to figure out how to protect the oceans <laughs> and she's in Boulder. So it's like the best, best day ever. You bet I found her. Um, <laughs> actually get this, get this, Mike. Well, Nikki, I don't know if you know Peyton Thomas. Peyton Thomas got a postdoc in Cassandra's lab. So she'll be in Boulder? 
yeah, she's moving out here um, in May. So Peyton Thomas is an up-and-coming trail runner out of North Carolina. Um, she's been in the South really her whole life. So yeah, she's she's wa- far ahead of me um, academically because she's she's actually finishing her PhD tomorrow. Um, she's defending and yeah, moving out to Boulder. So yeah, anyways, I'm I'm super excited. Like I'm gonna go back. I'm going back to school. <laughs> I, I I can't wait and um yeah getting back to academia I think is is kind of where where I want to be right now. Wow, so Claire, will you keep racing then? Do you think? Yeah. Or? Okay. Yeah, definitely. I th- I think I will uh for sure. Um at least that's what I've told my sponsors. <laughs> um it's all public it's fine uh yeah I'll race I'll race as much as I can I mean I don't even race that much like you know I took I took foot's advice like (laughs) five years ago and I've been you know it's a slow drip I want to be racing you know many many years from now so we'll we'll see like let's talk in a year and see see if I'm still like laughing and stuff (laughs) okay plan on it Congratulations. I know, I know how much that means to you and I'm excited to see you continuing to just lean into things full throttle. And, uh, that's really exciting. I didn't know that actually, I knew you were interested in it, but I didn't know that. So it, you know, it's interesting. Like you talk about, uh, the slow drip and trying to, you know, have a, have a more long-term career in, in ultra running and, you know, with, with folks getting, I like, I see the sport of ultra running continuing to just explode and exponentially grow year after year after year. So there's so many folks entering into this space and, you know, whether you like to admit it or not, you've been, you've been in the game a while now, you're, you're a veteran and like, what are some things that you thought to be true when you got into the sport that has changed? Or I guess another way to ask this question is what's some advice you would give to folks um, getting into ultra running, trail running, mountain running now that are, might not have the experience that you do. Mm, I would say if, if you live in a place where there are others interest, others who do ultras, who run ultras, who trail run, like seek those people out. Even if you're a solitary runner or a solitary introverted person, everything I know is from someone else. Like every single thing that has brought me to the top of podiums is is through listening to those around me and 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 asking questions like um it's it has been really interesting to see younger folks get into this sport or just you know new new people um it's awesome i'm like all for it i think everyone should ultra run and trail run <laughs> um but like, we don't know shit. No one knows anything. Like, not even, you know, look at Killian. Killian's like one of the most humble dudes on this planet. Like, and so I do love that the vast majority of um, of people in our sport are open to, to learning other people's tips and, and staying um, curious. You know, I, I think seeking out like a group run if they happen say like at a running store or if you have a run club in your town um is a is a huge asset and just like ask questions like hey you know what are you up to this summer what have you done in the past you know asking for beta about places like 
especially as more people get involved with the sport, I'm I'm concerned, you know, that we have responsible rec that we're responsible trail users, right? You know, how do you poop in the backcountry? You dig a hole, like <laughs> you don't poop on the trail, like you don't leave toilet paper, you know, stuff like this. It's like I don't want to be shy about it. Like I want and I hope my advice is that people really lean into asking questions. And and I I encourage people to ask questions in person. Like the internet is great. Like the internet is a powerful, amazing tool. Like I'm grateful for the internet. But you can't you can't learn the nuance of ultra running or especially like remote mountain travel from from the internet like i i just believe like seeking out mentors asking people like the the way to do it is you compliment someone and then you say by the way can i ask you some questions about all the rad shit you've done um like that that type of connection i think is is what'll make our our sport grow in like a really healthy and sustainable way um so yeah yeah seek people out is that what you did with Mike? Were you like, hey, Mike, I like your hat. How do you trail run? <laughs> I mean, like Claire never needed like, advice from me. <laughs> oh my gosh. Even just being around, you know, like crewing Mike at Hard Rock was such a formative experience for me. It was still so, so naive and young to, to like an uh, intense mountain hundred. And you're just like, whoa you know, Mike was, Mike was kind, like, the whole time, you know, and it's like, wow, this is how you do it, like, he's in so much pain right now, <laughs> and, and he's still kind, you know, that, those types of experiences, um, they, they last, uh, and even, you know, I'm not saying everyone should, like, go bug people, you know, but if, if someone needs a help crewing something, maybe offer, you know, and ask, how can I be, how can I be a good crew person, you know, because it just, the only way we learn is through experience. I love that. I feel like, the, you know, our sport can be very solitary and, uh, you know, you could have taken that question of, of advice to people getting into the sport so many ways. You could have said, you know, this many exact calories per hour or this many <laughs> miles per week or, you know, follow this exact program and, you're saying be curious and create meaningful relationships with others in the sport. And uh, I think that's really sage advice. I love it. Yeah, Claire, I had a specific question just for the listening audience and us as well about racing specifically. You've had some amazing successes and then you've had some races that haven't gone the way I'm sure you, you had hoped, um, which is pretty ubiquitous in uh, ultra running, but how can you, speak a little bit about your, your headspace when you're racing, like maybe when it's going well. And also when it's, when it's not, um, yeah. like what, one specific, very specific question within that question is, do you have self doubt? Like at the beginning of an ultra, when you are running 100 miles and anything can happen, are you battling even as one of the best in the sport? Is that part of the equation for you? And how do you work with that? Yeah, I would say too, of course, I can't like eradicate self, self-doubt. I don't, I'm, I'm impressed if someone can like completely eradicate it from their mental space. That being said, 
I've gotten to a point where if I'm on a start line, like it's a gift. And I really, really try and lean into that element of no one's making me do this. I am choosing this to do this on my own volition. This is sweet. I got to spend the next like day running. Like that's so sweet. Um, and, and I really try to sort of saturate my, my mind with those um, almost like annoyingly positive, like gratitude feelings, uh, because, because it's, it's true. Like, it's not a lie. Um, you know, I'm not showing up on start lines with like severe injuries, but where doubt might trickle in is like, yeah, when things start to go wrong, you fall, you know, like your, your soft flask like explodes and I lose like all my Coca-Cola. Like that happens every single race, you know, like the amount of times I have like shot Coca-Cola into my eye and I, and I have like yelled so loud and I'm like covered in like gooey stickiness. And this is what I love about ultras though, is because you don't, you don't get these opportunities in say a track race or a road race. This is what separates the cream from the fat or what is it? The cream from the milk. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I drink oat milk. Um, you. Yeah, you know, like how you respond to these situations makes this sport so fun because you bet there are times where I completely crumple and I feel bad for myself and I slow down. But it's those times if you have a net positive of like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna be above this. I'm gonna laugh this off and I'm gonna say my super, super basic mantra. Like, Nikki, my mantra is so basic. I literally say, good job, Claire. <laughs> like over and over and over. Typically when I start going up a long hill, I'll be like, good job, Claire. And I often say it audibly. Like I, I race Addie Bracey a ton, which is hilarious because we're good friends. And she's like, God, I can hear you. <laughs> Saying, good job, Claire. And I'm just like trying to exude this, this positive self-talk. And it's actually interesting because David Roach recently wrote an article um, summarizing some, I think, peer-reviewed study that says like positive self-talk is like a performance enhancer. And I didn't know that. Um, and that's something I've, I've done from a young age, which is sweet. Uh, so yeah, I, I think that you're, the question you just asked, Nikki, is like, is the crux of long endurance challenges? Like what is in your brain? How do you choose to keep going or even speed up 80 miles into a hundred mile race or 30 hours into a 48 hour epic? Oh, yeah. Um, and right? Yes, absolutely. And what I think is so cool as I'm sitting here listening to you is as an observer of you in the races you've done, you can see this, like, while this is all largely internal for you, your posture, your disposition out on the trail, your joy and exuberance is very obvious to all of us. Um, so it feels like that head game, while people might underestimate it, it, it sounds like it's really driving a lot of what, I, what I would say your success has been. Yeah. Well, that's, uh, potentially, I think, 
I think yes, to an extent, you know, especially on these start lines where everyone is showing up with the same level of fitness, basically, I'm often actually undertrained because I don't run that much compared to some of my competitors. So I would say to an extent, but I didn't answer your question of I've gotten like, yeah, I mean, I've DNF'd races, I've, I mean, last year I did a 50K in Fruta and like just got absolutely trounced by um, actually a college teammate, Sarah Cummings, which was super fun. <laughs> um, and and two other like great women. Um, and I went into that race thinking like, oh, this is like a local Colorado 50K. I'm gonna like, I'm just gonna like have a nice training day out here. And I think I, I got fourth. Um, and at the end of the day, like, that's okay. I, I, I've started to give myself some grace, um, especially because I like to race. Like, I'm not going to not race these, these, these races where I'm not totally prepped. Um, I, I like to race. Uh, what really stings personally is when, I don't perform at my goal race, at my A race, you know, and, and there are some people, yeah, I guess who only really do their A races and win everything. And that's not me. And I think that's okay. Like, I, I just think it's okay. And I'm going to keep showing up to races, like maybe a little bit undertrained and ones I don't really care as much about. And you might see me in 15th place or whatever. I don't know. And I think, I just think it's okay. So yeah. <laughs> Mike, is that relatable to you? I just think of you both as, I mean, you both have such um, storied careers with your running. I'm just assume there's a lot of overlap. Yeah, of course. I mean, I think you, you hope to get something out of every race, you know, whether it's an experience, a confidence boost, it's a stepping stone, but yeah, you can't, I don't think it's great to go into every single race as a, as an A race. I think you need to just throw yourself out there. And, and sometimes it's, I mean, I think Claire would agree with this. It's about just being in community with people. It's fun to gather and uh, share an experience with other people and get a good day in regardless of outcome. And I mean, the majority of people that are on that start line are looking for that more than they're looking for being on a podium. And so absolutely. I think, I think it's great. And I definitely have done that over the years and, uh, also have had lots of, well, a couple of DNFs and, and really bad races and you just roll with it. Of course. I mean, if you're going to be in this sport for a long time, it's, it's going to happen. And I think the big part is just being okay with that and not getting so down on yourself if you have a bad day or a bad race and continuing on to the next one. Right, right. Not taking yourself so seriously. Like, hey, you can still potentially go win a big race, even if you like absolutely suck at a ton of small ones. <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah, Claire, when you 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 won Western States in 2019 and then you came back in 2021 and I think had a hard go, maybe it was your tummy. I I forget. Oh, that's 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 generous of you, Nikki. <laughs> No, I walked the last 20 miles. I couldn't, I couldn't move my legs. Like I, I just, I couldn't move, but I made the decision. I'm not going to DNF. Um, and cause I was like, fine, like on the whole, but I, I, every time I would try to run, it was just like, it's not happening. 
and like a variety of things happen. I mean, I, I, I had taken a fall that like kind of tweaked my knee, but like, I don't know, I walked it in and it took me probably like over five hours longer. It was like 22 and change from, uh, when I won in 2019 and lo and behold, it was probably like a more meaningful experience. I mean, my crew was like so, so generous with their time. You know, you, you just get these experiences from every single race you do. It's like, I'm, I'm, I'm going to keep trying and no matter what happens, if I win, lose, draw, you know, it's, it's going to be meaningful. Um, that's what I love about it. It's, it's, as it's as much as we put into it, you know, how you treat the people who like flew across the country to, to be next to you, you know, like, um, yeah, just being around folks. Like, yeah, this actually, this makes me want to get up to the rut, man. Like, <laughs> I don't know how I haven't been to the rut yet. You are um, always welcome. <laughs> <laughs> To listeners who all probably know this, the rut sells out in three seconds. So <laughs> mark your calendars for next winter. <laughs> right. Because Mike's is the race director, just to piggyback on that clarification. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you, yeah. Claire, for uh, <laughs> that marketing plug. <laughs> yeah. The rut doesn't need my marketing. Are you kidding me? <laughs> so, Claire, one, I've got, I'm sure Mike has. I'm going to ask you one more question and then I'll hand it over to Mike, but just, it's kind of full circle for you to go back to Leadville. Um, so I've got another twofold question. What brought you to Leadville in 2016? And then how does it feel where you, I should mention, have the second fastest time for a female ever way to go. And then going back, like is breaking the course record on your radar and how does that feel to return? Mm. Uh, yeah. So I kind of alluded to this earlier in 2016, I, uh, was pretty fresh out of, I had moved to Colorado from Thailand and was like getting into the ultra running scene and the people I run with in Boulder are just totally bonkers. And they're all just like, yeah, we do hundreds, we do hundreds. And I was like, okay, so I'll just, I guess I'll do a hundred. I'll like go qualify for Leadville at the, at the Austin Rattler and, um, and they're like, yeah, great. And then I show up to Leadville and it was just like, okay, great. Like run hard. And then, and then, yeah, I had this totally bonkers day where like literally everything went perfect in a way. Um, I mean, I was in a lot of pain, most of it, but like, you know, I didn't, I didn't have one blister. I was wearing Solomon road shoes. <laughs> like, like what? <laughs> You know, I was eating frosting. Like I had no idea what I was doing. No idea. And, and then everyone's like, you ran so fast. And I was like, what? Um, yeah. So we would be remiss to not mention that Ann Trayson has the record of 1830 and, uh, yeah, I ran 19 flat. So it wasn't like I was close to the record. Um, <clears throat> It's honestly terrifying every day that's gone by since that, or like every race I've done since Leadville, I just realized how unique of a race that was. Cause it's like, that just, it's so rare where like all your, all your systems are going physiologically and mentally. Um, like I've not, I've not had a day like that since. Um, so yeah, I'm there. Or I should say, no, I'm not like gunning for the course record 
Um, I'm gunning to finish the race. I want to, I want to enjoy it and, uh, you know, just feel that energy of the Swatch range. Um, if, if I'm feeling good, like, yeah, I'll do my research. I'll have the splits. Like I'm not trying to hide anything. Like I'll know what I have to do physically to get the record if I'm in the mix. But, um, I mean, I kind of love that Ann Trayson still has it. She is such a legend. Like she's untouchable in many ways. And I'm, it like gives me chills. Like, I'm not going to say I'm going for Ann Trayson's course record. That's insane. Any person who says that should take it back. Like, like, like it's just, if it happens, it happens. But I think that's part of just sort of like respecting our elders in a way. Like, uh, I'm going to do me, but it, she, she's in a league of her own. This is good t- content. So you, he- you heard it here first, folks, that Claire is not going for any <laughs> <laughs> Just to clarify. <laughs> oh, well, Mike, do you have any? Um, it, well, Claire, thanks for that. And we will be watching you at Leadville. And we have very high expectations for you. So no pressure. Thanks, but, uh, <laughs> Mike, do you have any, uh, any, any more questions for Claire? No, this has been great. It's always a joy to speak with you, Claire. I, uh, yeah, I miss you. I haven't seen you in a while, so it's good to I catch know. up a bit. <laughs> Please give Jack a little hug, a little baby hug. Yes, I, I am a new father and Jack, <laughs> we have a little six month old and, uh, yeah. I will definitely give him a hug from Claire today. <laughs> and Katie, of course. Thank you, Claire. Claire, you're and just... your children too. Yeah, Mickey. Yes. One cent, Penny. I don't know if you still call her one cent, but... Oh, yeah. <laughs> you are so funny. You are the coolest. <laughs> well, thank you. And I, I've got a new one now. Oh, yeah. T-Money. So we go with, <laughs> like, monetary theme names, you know. What is her name? Her name's Tegan. But we call her baby T or T money, you know. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> I could meet her this summer. Yeah, she's a cutie. Claire, well, you were just, I I am such a fan of you. You have such great exuberance for you just overflow with life. And it's so fun to talk with you. Well, I've very much enjoyed this. Let's do it in person. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. Thanks Thank so you. Much for having me. Thanks for joining us today. For more information about what we do, please go to our website, uphillathlete.com.